Just across the Rio Grande River from Brownsville, Texas, is a popular vacation spot for college students called Matamoros, Mexico. It is especially popular during spring break, as hundreds of thousands of college students flood Brownsville and Matamoros. The students that descended upon Metamoros in March 1989 had no idea of the increasing crime in the area. In just three months, Metamoros had 60 unsolved disappearances since New Year's Day. 21-year-old Mark Kilroy was a student of the University of Texas enjoying spring break with his friends. In the early hours of March 14, 1989, Mark's friends lost track of him in Matamoros and reported him missing the next day. Mark shared no common traits with those who had disappeared before him, as he was Caucasian. His disappearance garnered a lot of attention because his uncle was employed at the U.S. Customs Service. With this connection, Matamoros immediately felt the heat to find the 21-year-old. A $15,000 reward was offered for information about Mark's safe return or the arrest of his abductors. While American officials kept a close eye on the case, Matamoros authorities interrogated 127 known criminals, but their efforts would lead to a dead end. At the same time of Mark Kilroy's disappearance, Mexican authorities were busy with one of their anti-drug campaigns. These operations were designed to target those lower on the totem pole while leaving drug lords untouched. On April 1st, 1989, a well-known henchman, 20-year-old Serafin Hernandez Garcia, drove past a police checkpoint. Officers pursued him, leading them to a rundown ranch nearby, where they found drugs and paraphernalia. Eight days later, authorities returned in force, arresting Serafin Hernandez and David Cerna Valdez. While in custody, the pair insisted that authorities could not hold them because they were protected by power over and above man's law. But even with these claims, the two remained in jail while investigators questioned a caretaker at the ranch. This caretaker at the Rancho Santa Elena was quick to name other members of the drug syndicate who frequently visited the ranch. When shown a picture of Mark Kilroy, the caretaker identified the 21-year-old. Serafin Hernandez admitted to authorities in participating in Kilroy's abduction and murder. He would further admit to other sacrifices that he and those who frequented the ranch participated in, explaining it's our religion, our voodoo, a cult formed by El Padrino, the godfather, Adolfo de Jesus Constanzo. Welcome to another episode of Crimson Sin with Tamsin Lee. I am your host, Tamsin Lee. Full show notes and sources can be found in the description. You can also check out my Patreon and Buy Me a Coffee pages, where I post the latest updates and behind-the-scenes exclusives. Also in the description is a link to the Tamsin Lee shop, where you can find something for everyone. Today's case brings us to Matamoros, Mexico. After an American college student vacationing on spring break was abducted, 
His missing persons case quickly turned into one of the most shocking discoveries in the Mexican city. Adolfo was born in Miami, Florida on November 1st, 1962 to a 15-year-old Cuban immigrant. He was the firstborn of three children who were all fathered by different men. His mother, Delia Aurora Gonzalez del Valle, had her son blessed when he was six months old by a Haitian priest of Palo Mayombe. The priest told Delia that her son was a chosen one destined for great power. While Adolfo was still an infant, he and his mother moved to San Juan, Puerto Rico, where he was baptized a Catholic and served as an altar boy. Even though they were Catholic, Delia kept her true faith in Palo Mayombe a secret, immersing herself and her son and entrusting his magic education to practitioners in San Juan and Haiti. The family returned to Miami in 1972, with Adolfo starting his full-time apprenticeship with a Haitian priest in Little Havana. Delia was a career criminal, being arrested 30 times on numerous charges. She had a rap sheet ranging from trespassing to shoplifting, convicted of check fraud, grand theft, and even child neglect. However, she was always able to get away with a slap on the wrist. Delia would credit these lenient punishments to her Haitian religion. She would leave numerous rented houses in Miami vandalized, bloodstained, and littered with the remains of animals she had sacrificed. Neighbors claimed the mother was a witch, and those who angered her would find headless goats or chickens on their doorsteps. Delia would eventually marry a man who was involved in religion and drug dealing. Adolfo would follow in his mother's footsteps when it came to crime, and the pair would be arrested on multiple occasions for theft, vandalism, and shoplifting. His mother would later claim in 1976 that her son started to display psychic powers, as he was able to predict future events with astounding accuracy. Months before the 1981 shooting of President Ronald Reagan, Adolfo allegedly predicted the incident and claimed Reagan would survive his wounds. He was not a studious student when it came to school, graduating near the bottom of his high school class, but he excelled in black magic, learning the secrets of witchcraft from his mentor. With his mentor, the two would rob graves to stalk the priest's cauldron and pour blood over voodoo dolls to curse their enemies. In the Palo Mayombe religion, there is no line between black and white magic, so every practitioner can choose their own path without prejudice. Adolfo was also a promising student when it came to learning about the drug trade, from his godfather who once told him, let the non-believers kill themselves with drugs. We will profit from their foolishness. In early 1983, Adolfo chose his patron saint, pledging himself to Ketiam Pembe. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Which is his religion's version of the devil. So he's basically the devil. He devoted himself to the worship of evil for profit, with his final initiation including ritual scarring. 
His mentor took a knife to carve mystic symbols into Adolfo's skin. And with that, he was ready to lead. Later in 1983, Adolfo moved to Mexico City for a modeling gig and spent his free time telling fortunes with tarot cards in Zona Rosa, which is a popular hangout for prostitutes. While there, he would meet and recruit his first followers, Martin Rodriguez, Jorge Montes, and Omar Ochoa. Adolfo would seduce Martin and Omar, claiming one as his man and the other as his woman, depending on his romantic musings at the moment. He would return to Miami, but by mid-1984, moved to Mexico City permanently and recruited new followers as his magic reputation spread throughout the city. Word spread of his psychic abilities and he offered ritual cleansings for those who felt enemies had cursed them. Of course, his services were not for free as Adolfo diligently documented each of his customers in charges. He had 31 regular customers with some paying up to $4,500 for his services. He established a profitable business by casting spells to bring good luck with expensive ritual sacrifices of chickens, goats, snakes, zebras, and lion cubs. A menu was formed with roosters going for $6 each. Goats were $30 each. Boa constrictors were $450 each. Zebras were $1,100 each. And African lion cubs were $3,100 each. Many of his clients were rich drug dealers and hitmen who enjoyed the violence of his magical displays. His mysticism attracted other rich members of Mexican society, including several high-ranking corrupt policemen who would go on to introduce Adolfo to the city's powerful drug cartels. He would go on to help schedule shipments and meetings based solely on his predictions. Upon payment, he would also offer magic that would make gangsters and their bodyguards invisible to police and bulletproof against their enemies. According to his journals, one dealer in Mexico City paid Adolfo $40,000 in magical services over three years. By 1985, Adolfo was well-established and would go with three of his followers to raid a Mexico City graveyard for human bones to start his own bloody cauldron. His followers at this time included a physician, a real estate speculator, fashion models, and nightclub performers. But probably the most astounding were those with influence and power. At least four members of the Federal Judicial Police joined Adolfo's cult. Salvador Garcia Alarcón was a commander in charge of narcotics investigations, and Florentino Ventura Gutierrez was the head of the Mexican branch of Interpol. Bribery amongst all levels of law enforcement and federal agents as well as these individuals becoming triggermen is nothing new. But the devotion of Adolfo's followers appeared to run deeper than greed. They worshipped Adolfo as a god who was their living conduit to the spirit world and ambassador to hell. Florentino introduced Adolfo to the drug-dealing Calzada family in 1986. They were one of Mexico's dominant narcotics cartels at the time, 
He immediately won the cartel over with his magical practices and was immensely compensated for it. By early 1987, Adolfo was able to pay $60,000 in cash for a condominium in Mexico City and buy himself a fleet of luxury vehicles, including an $80,000 Mercedes-Benz. When he wasn't offering his magical services to the Calzadas or other clients, Adolfo had other scams up his sleeve. For instance, he once posed as a DEA agent to rip off a Guadalajara cocaine dealer. He then sold the stash he acquired for $100,000 through his police contacts. At some point in time during all of these ventures, he decided that the spirits of the dead from the bones he collected from the graveyard were not strong enough. He needed his cauldron to be stronger with live human sacrifices instead of these old bones and animals. The total amount of these sacrifices has not been determined. However, 23 ritual murders were well documented, not to mention a slew of unsolved mutilation slayings around Mexico City during the same time. Needless to say, the ruthless drug dealer remained loyal clients and were very impressed at Adolfo's willingness to torture and kill strangers and close friends alike. It did not take long for all of this power to go to Adolfo's head. After working with the Constanzo family for a year, he believed his magical powers were the sole reason the family continued to experience success and survival. So, in April 1987, he demanded a full partnership in the syndicate and was refused. The rejection appeared to be of no concern to Adolfo, but internally, he started planning his revenge. Guillermo Calzalda Sanchez and six members of his household mysteriously vanished on April 30th, 1987. They were reported missing to authorities on May 1st, with officers noting melted candles along with other evidence of a strange religious ceremony that was conducted in Calzada's office. Six days later, authorities found mutilated remains in the Sumpango River. They recovered seven corpses within a week, all bearing signs of sadistic torture. All of the bodies recovered were missing their fingers toes, and ears, and their hearts and genitals were missing. Two of the corpses were missing their brains, and one had part of the spine ripped from their body. The missing parts fed Adolfo's cauldron, building up his strength for greater conquests to come. And by July 1987, he had an eye on his next targets. Sarah Maria Eldrete was the daughter of a Metamoros electrician born on September 6, 1964. While attending high school across the border at Porter High School in Brownsville, Texas, teachers remembered her as a good model student. She maintained her star pupil status while attending a secretarial school. It was here that instructors urged Sarah to attend a real college. However, young and in love, she decided against it. On October 31st, 1983, Sarah married Miguel Zacharias, a Brownsville resident 11 years older than her. Unfortunately, the relationship soured quickly, and five months later, the couple was separated. 
She received resident alien status in the United States in 1985 and proceeded to enroll at a two-year school in Brownsville, Texas, Southmost College. Sarah was admitted to a work-study program and she began classes in January 1986 as a physical education major. She also worked two part-time jobs as an aerobics teacher and an assistant secretary in the school's athletic department. She held excellent grades and was on the honor roll throughout her academic career. Sarah would also organize and lead a booster club for the college's soccer team. Aside from her academic success, Sarah also stood out physically. She stood at six foot one, which is unusually tall. After divorcing her husband, Sarah moved back home with her parents in Matamoros, where she would spend most of her weekends and school vacations. In 1987, the attractive student was popular with men and began dating a drug dealer named Gilberto Sosa, who was associated with the powerful Hernandez family. On July 30th, 1987, Sarah was driving in Matamoros when a shiny new Mercedes cut her off in traffic. She narrowly avoided an accident. The driver of the brand new Mercedes was Adolfo Constanzo. He immediately began apologizing. Upon their first meeting, both instantly felt the chemistry between them. But this meeting wasn't just fate. Adolfo had been keeping a close eye on Gilberto Sosa. Meeting Sarah was carefully staged and all part of his plan. Just as their blossoming friendship and her introduction into the cult. Two weeks after their meeting, Adolfo met Sarah and Gilberto in Brownsville, where he purposefully refused to shake Gilberto's hand. A few days later, Gilberto received a call that Sarah was seeing another man behind his back. Jealous, he confronted his girlfriend. But even though she denied the claims, Gilberto didn't believe her and broke up with her. Heartbroken, she turned to Adolfo for comfort. And he claimed to have known about the impending breakup through his tarot cards. The two would eventually become physical. But this union was very short-lived, as Adolfo made it abundantly clear to Sarah that he enjoyed the company of men more. She accepted his preferences, even though she wasn't exactly happy about it. But she had already become hooked on the religious aspect of their relationship. By the end of summer, Sarah's classmates saw the profound change in her, as she seemingly became an expert on witchcraft and magic overnight. Adolfo would call her La Madrina, the godmother, of his growing cult, entrusting her with his followers while he was shipping drugs over the border. El Padrino would pry into her links to the Hernandez family. He would also tell her the leader, Elio, would soon approach her for advice about a problem. In November 1987, Elio did just this, and she introduced the dealer to Adolfo. The Hernandez clan was falling apart as their syndicate was torn by division and threatened by competitors. Adolfo convinced Elio and his henchmen that Palo Mayombe could solve all of their problems. He claimed their enemies could be eliminated with sacrificial rituals, which would also keep the syndicate safe. Adolfo maintained that if they were loyal to him, all of his followers would become invisible to the authorities 
and bulletproof during combat. He promised all of this in exchange for 50% of the family's profits as well as control of the family. In 1988, Adolfo and his cult moved their headquarters to Rancho Santa Elena, 20 miles from Matamoros, where his rituals became more elaborate and sadistic. On May 28, 1988, Adolfo shot drug dealer Hector de la Fuente and a farmer named Moses Castillo, but these sacrifices did not satisfy him. On July 16th, while in Mexico City, he supervised the torture and dismemberment of Raúl Paz Esquivel, a former lover of cult member Jorge Montes. His remains were disposed of on a public street, which was discovered by children. Mutilation and pain are necessary to Palo Mayombe rituals, especially when it came to the devil Adolfo highly coveted. The demons he served were likely to be happier by a sacrifice that died in agony. He told his followers they must die screaming. Rival narcotics dealers kidnapped Ovidio Hernandez and his two-year-old son on August 10th, 1988, in revenge after they were swindled out of $800,000. In response, Adolfo's followers kidnapped a stranger two days later, torturing him to death at their headquarters, chanting prayers for the safe release of Hernandez and his son. On August 13th, the hostages were released, with Adolfo taking full credit for their return. In November 1988, ex-cop and cult member Jorge Valente Gomez violated the cult's ban on using drugs. Adolfo had to make an example of the disobedient 35-year-old as he became the next sacrifice. On February 14, 1989, a competing smuggler named Ezequiel Rodriguez Luna was tortured to death at the ranch, along with two other dealers who accidentally wandered into the ceremony uninvited. Nine days after this, the cult kidnapped another stranger who was never identified. This stranger put up quite the fight, as Adolfo ordered Elio to shoot him without the customary rituals. Then on February 25th, the cult kidnapped Jose Garcia, which was considered to be an accident as they soon found out that he was Elio's 14-year-old cousin. Unfortunately, they did not realize the mistake until it was too late. At the same time of these rituals, Adolfo was in possession of 800 kilos of marijuana, which was stolen from another gang. Instead of bringing it to the border, he felt he needed one more sacrifice to guarantee a safe shipment across the Rio Grande. On March 13, 1989, another ritual was performed. But the victim's suffering wasn't enough for Adolfo's taste. He told his followers, Bring me someone I can use. Someone who will scream. The next morning, they brought him Mark Kilroy. After the sacrificial ritual performed with Mark Kilroy, Adolfo was stunned by the public's outcry of his disappearance. Apparently, his psychic abilities failed him when it came to this. He was in shock. Not even the Calzata family massacre produced such a commotion. But Mark Kilroy was definitely different 
when it came to Adolfo's victims. He came from an affluent family with political connections. And he was a Caucasian-American male whose disappearance could potentially become international news. Adolfo was still in possession of the 800 kilos that he needed to move across the border. Even with the two previous sacrifices, he still felt he needed to perform one more sacrifice. On March 28, 1989, Gilberto Sosa, Sara Eldrita's former lover, was chosen as the next victim and died screaming. He then safely transported the goods on April 8th, collecting $300,000. He was able to do this despite Serafin Hernandez leading authorities to the ranch one week earlier. But El Padrino would not see a single penny as the four members who collected the payment were arrested on April 9th before they were able to give the leader the cash. In the meantime, Serafin Hernandez identified Adolfo de Jesus Constanzo as the leader of the cult who ordered the sacrificial rituals. He also stated that El Padrino tortured and sodomized the victims before killing them and using their organs for his cauldron. Authorities returned to the ranch with Serafin, who pointed out the cult's private graveyard. They had dug up 12 bodies, which were buried in a perfect row. All of the victims were men who were either shot at close range or hacked to death with a machete. One of the bodies Seraphin dug up was Mark Kilroy. His skull was split open and his brain missing. Investigators entered a shed on the property and discovered Adolfo's cast iron kettle filled with blood, animal remains, and 28 sticks. The followers explained the sticks were used to communicate with the spirits in the afterlife. The cauldron was teeming with spiders, scorpions, and other items that could not be identified. Among these items was Mark's brain. Over the next six days, 15 more victims were discovered in the cemetery with three more near an orchard. Adolfo knew he was in trouble, so he ran. Sarah Aljite, Martin Quintana, Omar Oria, and Alvaro de Leon Valdez, who was a Hernandez family hitman, ran to Mexico City. They had every intention of going to Miami, but the DEA figured Adolfo would run home to his mom. So he was left with no choice but to remain in Mexico City, constantly moving from one of his followers' homes to the next. The media had a field day with this case, with Geraldo Rivera airing a special primetime segment on the case. And TV journalists came flying in from the United States and Europe and Japan, just all countries. All of these journalists were coming from all of these countries to get the latest scoop. Adolfo was said to have been cited in Chicago with rumors spreading that he was in league with the Mafia. Sarah was also supportedly seen lurking around schools throughout the Rio Grande Valley, with people claiming she had threatened to kidnap and murder 10 Anglo children for each of her disciples jailed in Mexico. A church was even burned down in Far, Texas, after rumors spread that its congregants were witches enslaved to Adolfo. With all of these conflicting rumors, authorities continued searching the border for Adolfo and his posse. Upon Serafin Hernandez Rivera's arrest, 
They searched the house he had been hiding in, where they found weapons and cash, but they did not find any occult paraphernalia. On April 18, 1989, Adolfo read Betrayal in his tarot cards. This caused him to look more closely at his friends. Weary of those around him, he kept an Uzi close and slept for no more than a few minutes. He also threatened those around him. They cannot kill you, but I can, as he assumed more power than that of authorities. On April 22nd, arsonists struck in the middle of the night at Rancho Santa Elena, burning down Adolfo's ritual shed. The next morning, footage of the smoldering ashes was displayed on television, throwing El Padrino into a rage. His anger was further fueled by the image of police conducting an exorcism at the ranch and sprinkling holy water over the graves. He stormed through the apartment, smashing lamps and overturning furniture. Two days later, authorities arrested cultist Jorge Montes and raided his home. Just like those arrested before him, Jorge divulged everything he knew about the cult, naming Adolfo as the mastermind and executioner in all of the homicides. On April 27th, Adolfo and his four remaining followers moved into an apartment house on Rio Sina in Mexico City. Sarah started to fear for her life and decided to write a note on May 2nd, tossing it from the bedroom window in hopes someone would find it in the street. The note read, Please call the judicial police and tell them that in this building are those they are seeking. Tell them that a woman is being held hostage. I beg for this because what I want most is to talk or they're going to kill the girl. Someone happened to find the note and read it, but they kept the note and its contents to himself, believing that it was someone's attempt at some form of humor. Little did that passerby know that upstairs, in that apartment, Adolfo was formulating plans, most likely to flee Mexico, with his four most trusted followers, telling them, they'll never take me. But those plans would never be realized, as on May 6, 1989, authorities arrived at Rio Sina, going door to door to ask questions. Authorities were there for a completely unrelated case. But once Adolfo caught a glimpse of the police from a window, he immediately panicked and opened fire with his Uzi. Within a matter of minutes, 180 policemen surrounded the apartment, returning gunfire for at least 45 minutes. Adolfo soon realized there was no escape. When he came to terms with this, he handed his weapon to Alvaro, instructing him to kill him and Martin. The hitman refused, stating he couldn't do that. But Adolfo hit him in the face and threatened that everything would go bad for him in hell. He then hugged Martin and Alvaro, shot them. By the time authorities stormed into the apartment, Adolfo and Martin were dead, slumped together in a closet. Alvaro, Sarah, and Omar were then arrested and sent to jail. Alvaro admitted killing Adolfo while in custody, but he joyfully informed police the godfather will not be dead for long. Authorities did not take Adolfo's resurrection seriously 
and only concerned themselves with making the charges stick against the three survivors. Alvaro's case was pretty easy since they had his confession of killing Martin and Adolfo recorded. As for Sarah, things were a little more complicated. At first, she posed as a victim. However, she betrayed herself when she revealed intimate details of the cult's rituals. Following the Mexico City shootout, 14 cult members were indicted. The charges varied from multiple murders, weapons and narcotics violations, conspiracy and obstruction of justice. In August 1990, Alvaro was convicted of killing Adolfo and Martin and was sentenced to 35 years in prison. Juan Fragosa and Jorge Montes were convicted of Raul Esquivel's murder and each sentenced to 35 years. Omar Oria was convicted in the same case. However, he died from AIDS before he could be sentenced. Sarah was acquitted of Adolfo's killing in 1990, but was sentenced to a six-year jail sentence on the conviction of criminal association. She claimed that she never practiced any religion besides Christianity and was shocked by the televised reports of the murders that occurred at Rancho Santa Elena. However, jurors were not convinced of her innocence. In 1994, Sarah and four male accomplices were convicted of multiple slayings at the ranch. Sarah was sentenced to 62 years, while the others received 67 years. In the meantime, American authorities stand by, ready to prosecute Sarah, Alvaro, and the Hernandez family for Mark Kilroy's murder if they should ever be released. While several cult members were arrested, some speculate that the cult was 10 to 15 times larger than originally thought. If this is true, then many have yet to receive punishment for their actions. And probably more scary yet, they could still be practicing and killing people. So what did you think of today's case? Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Don't forget to like and follow so you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you for listening and your support. Stay safe and I will see you for the next episode. Bye.